So um, we're going to talk tonight about the last judgment. The last judgment. Um, one of the most famous uh, verses in all of the Bible now these days is judge not lest you be judged. Right? People say don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Right? Yeah, that should terrify all of us. When you say only God can judge me, what that means is He knows your thoughts, your words, and your actions. He knows everything about you. And yes, you're right. Only God can judge you in that eternal sense. But that that passage in Matthew chapter 7 that says, Judge not lest you be judged, is meaning in the hypocritical judgment of calling people out for what they're doing when you're doing the very same thing. There's nothing in the world wrong, guys. Nothing in the world wrong with you as a person judging or discerning between what is right and what is wrong. Alright? So if your best friend is sleeping around on his old lady and you go to him and say, hey man, you commit adultery, you need to repent and change. Right? When he comes at you with the don't judge me, you can say, I'm not judging you, but God will. And his commandment, his law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And so he's going to hold you to a standard. God is going to hold every one of us in this room to a standard. And it's not going to be on how spiritual you are. I hear people say that all the time. Oh, I'm very spiritual. Well, congratulations. So is the devil. The devil is spiritual. He's an angel. All right. Or I feel in my heart. Oh, well, I, I really feel in my heart that dot, dot, dot. You see, your feelings are not going to matter when you stand before God. The standard is not going to be your feelings or your emotions or the cards that were dealt to you in life. The standard is going to be God's Word. His truth. Thus saith the Lord. And that's what He's going to judge all of us on. So tonight we're going to talk about the last judgment. So if you will, turn with me to Matthew. This is going to be our main text for tonight. Or actually we're going to have two main texts for tonight. And then we're going to try to jump through... And catch um, all three of these paragraphs here. So let's look at Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to look at verses 32 or 31 through 46. All right, Matthew uh, 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 25, 31 to 46. That'll be our main text. It said, "But when the Son of Man comes, who is the Son of Man? Jesus. Jesus in His glory, right? The glory He had with the Father from before the foundation of the world, and all the angels with Him." Then he, who is he? Jesus, yes. will sit on his glorious throne. Yeah. All the nations, all the ethnos, all the ethnicities, that's what that word nation is, right? It don't matter the color of your skin, it matters the fact that you are a child of Adam and you're either a son of Adam or a son of God, alright? He says, all the nations will be gathered before him. How many nations is that? All of them. Good. Very good. All right. All of the nation will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then, now who is that speaking? Jesus. Jesus. All right, good. And he says, then uh, the righteous will answer, Lord, when... Did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? 
When did we uh, see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. All right? And and so I want you to notice something about that. Who's doing the judging? Jesus. And what is he judging these people on based on what? Their actions, what they've done. All right? Now, are these believers? Yes. Right? Because he's saying, come into me. Right. So, um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because a lot of people tell you, "Oh, well, the the the, the church, we don't go through the judgment." Right. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of different uh, eschatologies out there that says that we're going to get a, we we're not going to go through that. We're just going to go through a, a bema seat judgment where we just get some rewards. You see, we're not going to be judged. But the reality is, and one of the main emphasis we need to see tonight. Uh, number one is that Jesus is the judge. That's really going to be number one, all right? All right. So, uh, and number two, that we all, and we'll see that as we look at some passages of Scripture, we're all going to go through the judgment, okay? Now, <clears throat> he says in verse 41, Then he will also say to those on his left, who the one on the left? The goats, all right? Uh, Depart from me, uh, accursed ones, into the eternal flame, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So where was hell made for? The devil and his angels, right? And it says, uh, For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer, Lord, when did we when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did this to one of the least of these. I wonder who the these are that he's talking about. The people. Oh yeah, it's more than the people. His sheep. Okay. These. That you did to the least of these, you uh, did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, if you're in this room today and you are a regenerated, born-again, blood-bought child of God, you are in the body of Christ. You're in the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We are the body, right? Now, what did they do to his physical body when he was here on the earth? They spit on him, crucified him, beat him, nailed him to a cross, right? right? Well, we are now the representation of his body on earth. What do you think the world is going to do to us? Same thing. The same thing. You see? And so what are these people being judged on? That they ignored, they abandoned, they did not acknowledge the body. They did not acknowledge it. And they were living for who? For themselves. Alright, so let's flip back a couple pages to Matthew chapter 7. This will be our other main text for tonight. Um, Matthew chapter 7 and down at the bottom. Um, I do want to get this out of the way to begin with. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 and we're going to look at verses um, 18 we'll look at starting verse 18 Matthew chapter 7 verse 18 it says a good tree cannot produce bad fruit nor can a bad tree produce good fruit alright if you want to say this you can say it this way sheep cannot be goats and goats cannot be sheep you can't cross them and get a geep <laughs> Are you with me? You're either a goat or you're a sheep. And that's a part of the judgment. And there's going to be a judgment of whether you go to the right or to the left. That's one of his judgments that he's going to make. He's going to judge you. And so um, I can wear nice Greek shirts with funny sayings on the front of them or wear a crucifix around my neck. But if in my heart I'm not a born again, blood bought child of God, God will judge that on the final day. 
Right? I can run around and drop money in an offering place and go to church every day and get gold stars for going to Sunday school and be baptized three or four times. I can do anything in the world, but if my heart has not been changed, if the work of the Holy Spirit has not taken place in me, if He has not sealed me and set me apart for Him, then it doesn't matter what I think or what the world around me thinks because God is the judge. You see how that works? So uh, he says a good tree can uh, bears good fruit, a bad tree, bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. You're, and remember in our other passage we were just talking about there a minute ago, remember what he said? They said, well, when did we do that? See, they were producing good fruit, and it wasn't an effort on their part. It was literally like the Spirit of God was working in them and they did what they did. Why? Because it comes natural. To the child of God, we act like our father. Amen. It's a natural thing. Apple trees just put off apples. They don't have to think about it or strain or do anything like that. They just That's what they do. So you will know them by their fruits is what he says next. So look what he says. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Verse 18. Nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Okay, so he's telling us you'll know people by the way they act. So remember, this is Matthew chapter seven. At the very beginning of this chapter is where that "judge not, lest you be judged" passage comes from. And now, right here, he's saying you'll know them by their fruits. So we can actually see a person who they are. How can we see who a person is? By what they say and by what they do. Right? You can't cover it up too long. I got a good shower before I got here and put on some deodorant and cologne, but. By tomorrow, around lunchtime, I'm going to smell again, right? You can't cover up the stink. It comes out. There's no way to do that. You can hide it for just a little bit, but eventually what's in you is coming out. That's why we wear deodorant. That's why we take showers, because what's in us comes out. Your body's perishing, by the way. Did you know that? That's why you smell. You're perishing. But... Our spirit, our soul, if we've been born again, is eternal. We don't perish on the inside. So then you will know them by their fruit. Now, look at 21, 22, and 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Right? So what is he saying? Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord. Oh, Lord, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Right? In the back of a police car. Help me, Lord. Right? Right? I seen a guy on a video the other day. He went into a store to rob the store. He went in to rob the store. Little old, tiny little Oriental lady, right? And uh, he came into the store. She ran and jumped and went in back and got in the safe and locked the door. The front, she had an automatic lock on the door with a door lock. So he was trapped inside of that store by himself. They had to. They, you seen it? Yeah. They had the video on. Man, he he, he took it. He had a pistol. He took the pistol and tried to shoot the door and to shoot the lock and it wouldn't let go. And he was in there going, "Oh Jesus, Lord, help me." I don't want to go. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to jail. And sure enough, the police come and drug him off to jail. You know, so he was calling Lord, Lord. But the problem was his appetite was his Lord. His sensual nature was his Lord. That was what was who was. See, when you call him Lord, you're saying you're the boss of me. That's what it means. When you was a kid and you told somebody you're not the boss of me and you're not. Gonna, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. When you call him Lord, that's what you're admitting. You're the boss. What you say goes. So he says, there's going to be a lot of people say, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But watch now, Luke verse 21. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Now, it's a very important statement. What is he saying? The people that do the will of the Father will enter into heaven. All right? Now, uh, if, if I have any Catholic friends in here, he is not saying right there that you enter in by your works. 
Okay? If you can earn your way to heaven, if you can be good enough, if you can... Uh, I'm not just going to pick on the Catholics because we all have a problem with works righteousness. Y'all know what I mean by that? Like you're being good by what you're doing. It's not just the Catholic folks. It's the Baptist too. Right? I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't hang around with those who do. Those are all good qualities, but what should define us is what Christ did on the cross for us and not what we're doing. But so when he says... It is the one who does the will of my Father that will enter into heaven. He's not saying that you work your way to heaven. What he is saying is, if you are truly a child of God, if you truly are a good tree, then you're going to work for God. You're going to put off the right kind of fruit. So, your works are not getting you into heaven, but they are a proof that you are going there. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. Alright, so look at that passage again. We need to make sure we get that etched in our mind. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father will enter. Now look what he said in verse 22. Many are going to say on, to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Alright, see what they're saying. Hey, Lord, Lord. Right? They're calling him Lord. Didn't we, didn't we, didn't we, didn't we, didn't we? What are they focusing on? What they did. What I did. And now remember in the other passage we were reading a few minutes ago, what did it say? The sheep were going, when did we do that? See? And and what did the, what did the goats do? They acted like, oh, well, when did, we didn't see you. Wait. You see? So, another thing that we need to see in our lesson tonight is this. Not only is God going to separate the sheep from the goats, but He is going to acknowledge the things that we did and the things that we did not do. You see? He's going to judge your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Every action that I've ever done, I'm going to answer for before God. Right? Every thought that's gone through my mind, I'm going to answer for before God. Every th- every word that I've ever said, I'm going to answer to before God. And that's terrifying standing up here in front of you guys. That's terrifying because you know why? Because everything I'm saying to you today, I'm going to be held accountable for for what I say to you. And if I and God forbid I were to lead somebody astray with something that I teach, you see. But I'm going to stand before Him one day, and I'm going to answer for my life, and I'm going to answer for all that I've done. Now. You might be saying, wait a minute now, hold up. Because Jesus died on the cross and He paid for all my sins. I shouldn't have to answer for those anymore. Well, here's the beauty of being a sheep. you got a lawyer named Jesus. you got an advocate in Christ. What does that mean? When you're at the judgment throne, Christ is going to be there in your defense. He's going to be standing there as your attorney. Okay? But you and I will still be accountable for the thoughts and intents of our heart. What we do. And... There will be a lot of things in your life. You'll find this out as you get older right? and you mature. You'll find this out. There's a lot of things that you do that you intentionally do for self-interest. Even service to God. Even some of the things you're doing to work for God is about about you. Right? The main one I can think of is somebody working to get rewards in heaven. You you see what I mean? Who's that about? Oh, I'm going to have a bigger house. See, I'm going to have a bigger mansion than you when we get there. Right? You see? That's selfish. I heard that one a lot. Right? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have a big mansion, right? And so we have to be careful about that because that's self-interest, isn't it? 
what, what, did, what does the Bible say? Eye has not seen or ear has not heard or the mind has never conceived the wonderful thing that God has prepared for those who love Him to those He has called, you see? And so for me to think, I'm He's the one preparing that home for me. Yes. And so yes, we will be rewarded, but a lot of things that we think we should get reward for, we're going to lose. And a lot of things that we didn't even realize we've done, we're going to be acknowledged for. That's going to be a part of the judgment. Your whole life is going to be exposed. It's going to, everything's going to come out in the wash. You see? Because before we enter into heaven, yes, we are washing the blood of Christ, but remember, all of the wicked things that you have done in your life will be for God's glory. Even the wicked things that you have done are going to glorify God. Well, you wait, wait a minute. What now? Well, all of those people that are getting cast into hell, why are they getting cast into hell? Because God is a righteous judge and they're paying for what they've done. You see? And so even their evil is glorifying God. Why? Because God is going to judge them for it. Alright? Think about Judas. One of the worst case scenarios ever, right? Well, Judas will be in hell. The Bible calls him a son of perdition. Only the devil is the only person in the Bible called a son of perdition. So Judas will be in hell, but watch this. God used the evil intentions and the wickedness of Judas to do what? To get to get Jesus closer to the cross. Amen. You see? So on Judgment Day, we're going to see God's secret will. We're going to see His all of the things that the way that He used people, even the wicked people, in His decree and His divine will, and how everything's going to work out for our good and His glory. Right? For our good and for His glory. And on that Judgment Day, it's all going to come out. We're going to see, wow, God is God, and I'm not. Wow. He really did have control the whole time. Like nothing got past Him. So that's another part of the church. So, But look what He said. Many will say on, the meal, on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name? And what is He going to say there in verse 23? <clears throat> um, I declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. All right? What did he say? I did not know you. And that know is a very intimate word. And we've talked about this before. It's in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it's the word yada. All right, y'all from New Jersey and New York? Here's somebody say yada yada. Yada yada. You heard that before? Yeah. Oh, what does that mean? Like whatever. Huh? Kind of like whatever. What, no, it doesn't mean whatever, but that's what people use it for. But it really yeah. means, this is what it really means. I know. I know. Okay. That's what yada means. It means I know. Right, And so in the very beginning of the Bible, when you get to the story of Adam and Eve, and it said, and Adam knew his wife, and they conceived, she conceived and bore a son. It's an intimate, personal knowledge. Right? So when Jesus is standing, or sitting at the judgment, and he is judging the world, what is he going to tell the, the goats? Depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. I never had a personal relationship with you. <laughs> I did not. I never knew you. Never. Even when I was hanging on that cross and pouring out my blood to save my sheep, I never knew you. Depart from me. To his sheep, what is he going to say? I know you. Right? He knows us with an intimate, intimate love. An eternal love that only God can, can have. And so, when he tells these people, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness... What does it mean? It means that because he did not know them, they did not have him in them, and so they acted just like Adam. Right? They ran ahead in the bushes and covered themselves with nakedness. 
uh, cover their nakedness with fig leaves, all kind of habits and hobbies and careers and financial goals, and they covered themselves in fig leaves and acted like they didn't want anything to do with God. Right? La, 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 I can't hear you. Right? Nowadays, they don't even put fig leaves on anymore. They just run around the streets naked nowadays. They don't even care that they're naked and exposed. They just do it, you see? It's a wicked world we live in, and on Judgment Day, all of that's going to be taken care of. Okay, so with those two main texts out of the way, now we got a little bit of time. Um, what I've given you today is um, this is chapter 32 of a uh, uh, confession of faith, uh, the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. Um, there's all kind of um, confessional Christians. How many of y'all have ever said, um, "I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ His only Son, our Lord." Right? You Catholic? You said that, right? You know why? Apostles' Creed. Huh? Is that the Apostles' Creed? It's the Apostles' Creed. And the reason you say that is because since about 200 or 300 A.D., all Christians have said that creed. It's, a, it's something that we've all said. And what it is, is that what that creed does is it narrows down what we believe. So if you go up to your friend one day and you say, hey, what do you believe? You don't have time to go Genesis to Revelation with him. You see? But what you can say is, I believe in God, the Father. Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was born of a virgin, right? Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, He was crucified, dead, buried. On the third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. From there, He will come to judge the quick and the dead, right? Uh, um, yeah, I was looking at it in the back of the book just now. Yeah. Right yep. But in there, now I'm, I'm, I just want to know which stars on. It says. I believe in one holy Catholic church. Yeah, that's good. Do Christians also say that prayer? Yes, I believe in the Catholic church. Now, but remember, um, so the the term Catholic, it comes from two Greek words, kataholic. It means, kata means according, and holic means the whole. All right? So according to the whole. So when we say the Catholic church, what we mean is all believers that have ever been. Okay, so that means all the saints that are already up in heaven worshiping Him now, all of us today, and all of those who in the future will be believers that have not even come yet. See, they're all considered the, the, the body of Christ. So when we say the Catholic Church, what we're saying is according to the whole body. All right, and so the, the I'm not going to pick on you, but when you say. What you're doing, you're creating a paradox when you say the Roman Catholic Church because what you're saying is the whole church but in Rome. You see what I'm saying? So what, um, you'll notice that we don't put a capital C on that Catholic in, in the Protestant creeds. In the Catholic Church, it would. The point being is, is that we have all said that since 280. All right, so um, the Council of Nicaea, uh, uh, there's all kind of councils all through church history and a council is basically when a group of men get together and put down on paper what we believe and so this is coming from a, a confessional statement from from 1689 uh, the, uh, there's another one called the Westminster Confession there, uh, the Heidelberg uh, there's, there's all kind of confessions out there the Augsburg Confession that's the Lutherans and the German guys over in Germany so basically the, a group of the elders uh, would get together and basically summarize everything that we believe. Well, in the London Baptist Confession of Faith, the last chapter in the confession is about the last judgment, which makes sense, right? The first chapter is about uh, uh, the Word of God, because that establishes what we believe. 
the last chapter is about the last judgment. So these three paragraphs are the, are the statement of what we believe about the last judgment. So let's look at that first paragraph there. It says this, the day of judgment. God has appointed a day when He will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ. All right. Remember what we said? One of our main uh, things we need to remember is who's going to be the judge? Jesus. Jesus is given all power and judgment by the Father. On this day, not only will the apostate angels be judged, but all, I, I, that's a misprint there, but it is an emphasis, all, all, right? All, all people who have ever lived on the earth will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds they will receive according to what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. All right, that's our first statement tonight. God is to judge. He has been given that authority by His Father his resurrection is a proof that his father approved of what he has done and has set him up as the judge. All people who have ever lived will be judged. And what will they be judged on? Look at that again. You can underline that in there. Your thoughts, your words, and your deeds. That's important to remember. Even the things that we think about. And if this doesn't make us uncomfortable, then we we got problems, guys. Okay? Now, yes, our sins are under the blood of Christ, but a part of... The acknowledging God is what? A fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so we need to fear Him. When I think the wrong way, I need to fear Him. And recognize I'm not thinking the right way. When I'm speaking the wrong words, I need to fear Him, right? You go downtown tonight about 3 in the morning to these clubs down here in downtown Savannah, and there's nobody in there fearing God. They're not fearing Him. How do I know that? Because they're, they, they act like He don't see Him. They act like He's not there. But the reality is God is omnipresent and He's everywhere. He's, he's seen everything that we've ever done. And so that should make us fear Him. But it should be a holy reverence, a holy fear, not a, uh, you know, uh, this cowering fear. It should make us to respect Him and realize that one day I'm going to answer to Him. Right? Mom would be in the house, you'd be running around cutting the food, hitting your little brother and sister and screaming and hollering. But when Daddy came home, right? Hey! Hey! Right? We feared daddy. What, what will mom always say? When, all right, when your daddy gets home. Uh-huh. All right? And so we need to understand uh, we don't fear a lot of things. I see y'all fellas out there smoking. Now, I'm not picking on you, buddy. I am. I am picking on you. Because the reality is this if you picked up that cigarette and it shocked you like sticking an ice pick into a light socket, you would never pick up another cigarette again. Okay. You see what I'm saying? But they, they taste good, they feel good. And it's just the thing that I'm used to doing every day after I eat. I go get a cigarette. After Devo, I go get a cigarette. It's just a part of who we are. But the reality is it's destroying your lung tissue. And it's, and it's killing brain cells. And it's like it's wrecking you up. But it takes a long time. It takes 50, 60 years. And we don't fear that. Why? Because we don't see it. See? And if, think about your life. Think about your crash. Whatever that was. How long did it take you? How many years of living did you live before you crashed? And then how many times after you crashed and God forgave you and restored you and saved you, did you turn right back around and go right back into the hog pen, right back into the slop again, right? Like a dog to its vomit or a hog to its mire, right? Right? Yeah. We do just like the, the Israelites. They were out there in the wilderness and what they say? We'd rather go back to Egypt. At least we had leeks and melons and cucumbers and onions there. This manna sucks, and it's horrible out here. It's hot, it's tired, we're tired. We'd rather go back to Egypt. But what are they saying? We'd rather go back to the bondage of slavery. 
And you and I do the same thing. Why? Because we don't fear God. We don't respect Him. We don't think about what He's done for us. And guys, I'm not preaching just at you. I'm preaching to me. Right? It's, it's all of us. And so, in that first statement there, let's look at a couple of these verses. Let's um. So we're gonna. I'm gonna keep my eye open and see who knows where where their chapters are in their Bible. We're gonna go to Acts chapter 17, verse 31. If you get smart, you'll see that they're all cited there, and you'll be able to get down to them. Um, so we're gonna just jump through a couple of these. Acts 17 and verse 31. And it says this. I'm not going to wait on you guys. You've got them wrote down. You can go back and find them on your own later if you miss out, okay? So Acts 17, 31. Because He, who is He? The Father, has fixed a day in which He, who is He? The Son, will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom He has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising Him from the dead. So a part of the... Part of Jesus' resurrection from the dead is, one, establishing the fact that the Father accepted His sacrifice, and two, that He has the authority to judge. Right? And so He sets Him up as judge. We're going to look at um, 1 Corinthians 6.3 and Jude uh, 6. Actually, let's just go to Jude 6. Go to Jude 6. We'll look at that one passage. And you'll see why, once we read this, you'll see why we have those those verses cited there. In Jude 6, it says this, The angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, He kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of that great day. So what is it saying right there? The angels are going to be judged. Right? The angels are going to be judged. Why? Because they left their abode. Now there's a lot of people that think that means that they came down and had sex with women and made giant babies. I'm not a big fan of that. I really don't believe that. What I believe it says when it says they left their proper abode is that they were righteous and holy angels and they rebelled against God and walked away from Him. That Satan and his angels walked away from God. They left that... The, the, what, what were they created to do? To worship God and enjoy Him forever, right? That's what they were created to do. And what did they do? They left that abode. They left that proper... What God had prepared for them, they walked away from that and now they're being judged because of that. You see? Right? So, in, uh, let's look at that 2 Corinthians 5.10 passage. Um, 2 Corinthians... 5.10 We never have enough time in this class time. Alright, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Alright, that's the Bema seat, guy. You hear people call it the Bema seat. A Bema is a podium or a platform that a judge would sit on. Okay? That's what a Bema is. And so to say that, oh, there's going to be two different judgments, God's going to sit on the judgment throne one day, and then there's going to be the Bema seat judgment later, it's, still, it's, saying, the, it's saying the same thing. He's going to sit on His, throne, his, his uh, exalted throne and judge who? All nations, all people. Okay? So look at that again. This is Paul talking, and he's talking about all of us, everybody. Right? Greeks and Jews and everybody. What does he say? He says uh, in verse 10 there, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We all. Alright, so again, what what are my major emphasis tonight? Number one, who's the judge? Jesus. Who's going to stand before him? All. Okay. Those are two main things we need to get out of the way. This next one, look, flip back to the Old Testament. 
Right? You'll hear people say, oh, well, the Old Testament people didn't believe in going to heaven or didn't believe in uh, right. this. Well, look at, look at Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the most wise man I'd ever live, except for Jesus. Last statement in the book of Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes is a is a Debbie Downer, man. If you like, if if you're not saved, if you if you don't understand what it means to be under the sun, under the right, living here on earth, man, you want to go out and kick your dog or something when you get done with it. It's like it's, it makes you it's depressing. What is it it's saying? There's no hope. Everybody's gonna die. It's just terrible. But look what it says there in that last statement, verse 14. Right, you, this would be one to write on your bathroom mirror. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. All right, that's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? All right, and so um, I think that we got number one taken care of, except for a couple more things. I do want to focus a little more on Jesus being the judge. It looks like tonight we're only going to get through chapter this first part, but. Maybe next month when we come back together, we'll talk about this some more. Um, <clears throat> Jesus being the judge. So turn with me really quickly over to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Everybody there? This <clears throat> I may be telling you wrong. I did tell you wrong. Mark 4. No, must be, maybe it was Luke 4. Alright, i got to find this. I didn't write it down before I got here. Yep. Nope. Let's see. Three. Yep, Luke chapter 4, and we're going to verse uh, 16. Luke 4, verse 16. This is Jesus beginning his public ministry, and it says this. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. All right. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written. All right, so what is, what is Jesus doing? He's going to his local synagogue. A synagogue would be basically very similar to our local little churches, right? Um, so they all went three times a year down to Jerusalem and worshipped at the what? Temple. But during the year, during every Sabbath, they would go to their local synagogue, right? Their local meeting house, and they would all get together. They would pray and read Scripture and do these kind of things. So Jesus comes into his local synagogue in Nazareth, the, the synagogue that he had been going to all of his life since he was a little kid, which is very cool to think about in itself. Think about this. So they would sing songs in the synagogue, at the synagogue, right? Imagine Jesus singing the, the, the Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, right? Who's he singing about? He's singing about his Father in heaven, right? But who's he singing about? He's singing about him. He is the good shepherd, right? Because later on, when he's in his 30s, he's going to stand in front of a bunch of people that's ready to nail him across. And you know what he tells them? I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. My granddaddy David might have wrote that song, but it was about me. And I was before he was. Right? It's really cool to think about that, that, that. That is who Jesus is. And so he was at the synagogue and he comes in. He's going to do what he usually, what, what was custom for them to do. So he's going to take the, the scroll. He rolls out the scroll. What book is he in? The book of Isaiah. What is Isaiah? What kind of writing is Isaiah? Prophetic, prophetic writing. Now Isaiah is a prophetic writing. He opens it up to the book of uh, 
the book of Isaiah. And what's really cool, guys, remember now, chapters and verses didn't come along until like the 13th century, right? So, so, and not only that, they didn't have books and they didn't have little bookmarkers and they didn't have, they, Jesus just opened up that scroll and went straight to that place and look what it said. It said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery uh, of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of our Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all of the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today the Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, that's pretty powerful. He opens up that scroll and reads what the prophet Isaiah wrote. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. All right. Now, what happened to Jesus' baptism? Remember, Jesus is 100% man. He's 100% God, but He's also 100% man. Because He's 100% man, He needed the power of the Holy Spirit to, to help Him in His ministry, to do what He did. So what did He say? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember what happened in His baptism? Holy Spirit come down and anointed Him. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Why is the Holy Spirit anointed Him? So that He can preach the... Uh, gospel, the good news, the proclamation that God has remembered His people and He has sent His Son to save. The gospel to the poor, He sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Now when we think of release to the captives, He's speaking to a Jewish audience in a synagogue. What do you think their mind might go to? Release of the captives. Themselves under Roman rule. Under Roman rule, good. That would be the immediate thought, right? What happened about 700 years before, 400 years before that? Uh, The Babylonian captivity, right? What about uh, Moses? What did Moses do? Set them free from captivity. Say they've been in bondage all of their life, right? Now, what might somebody in this room be thinking? Well, my addiction was the thing that I was in bondage to. And what has Christ come to do? To set you free. To set us free uh, from the bondage. To set us free uh, to release the captives. Recover sight to the blind, right? What does that mean? I could not see. Now I see. Right. Sight of the blind to set those who are free who are oppressed, slavery again, bondage, think of those kind of things, to proclaim the favorable year of our Lord. And then he closed the book and went and sat down. Now, he's quoting that from the book of Isaiah. So I want you to turn with me. Keep your finger there. All right. Keep your finger there and turn with me back to Isaiah uh, 61. Isaiah. I'm going to look around and see who knows where they get going. Take a hard left. If you go, if you hit the book of Psalms, you've gone too far. Right, Isaiah 61. 61. And 61.1. <clears throat> well, what do you know? Yep. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Lord has anointed, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, and to proclaim the favorable year of our Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. All right, verses one and two. Let's read that again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners, and to proclaim the favorable year of our Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Alright? Keep your finger there. Let's go back to Luke. 
All right, we're going to jump in our sanctified time machine and go ahead, uh, you know. And now, let's listen to Jesus read it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of our Lord. All right? Now, here's the final quiz. What's missing? Help me out, guys. What's missing? He quoted all of Isaiah 61 except for one line. Nope. That's not it. Nope. Let's go back and look at Isaiah 61 again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's the same as the oppressed, right? That's what he said. Uh, uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. There you go. What did you say? The day of vengeance of our God. Alright? So... Jesus, when he's in the synagogue, reads everything but the line about the day of vengeance. Why is that? Because see, Jesus at his first coming came to seek and to save that which was lost. When he comes back the next time, that's the day of vengeance. You see? He left it out on purpose. Because he's coming to preach. When he came the first time, he came to preach the gospel. When he rips that sky open and comes back the second time, he's coming to judge us all. Right? The day of the Lord, all through the Bible, and one, last, one last thing and then I'll summarize and we'll be done. The day of the Lord is a day of horror and terror. Right? Because remember, judgment day is not about you and me. It's about God. It's about Him coming down here and proving, one, that He's righteous. And two, that He's merciful. Those are both qualities of God. He is righteous. Nobody's going to get by. Every thought, word, intention, uh, deed is going to be uh, held accountable. And His grace is going to be expressed through what His Son Christ did on the cross. Right. So we're going to see both His righteousness and we're going to see His mercy. And He will be glorified on that day. Judgment Day is not about me and you. It's about our Father and His Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what Judgment Day is about. It's about God finally coming down here and proving who's right. It's about all those times you cried out, that's not fair, that's not fair, that's not fair. Right? He's coming to make it fair. Now, last two things and then we're done. Summary. Jesus is going to be the judge. It's very important to remember. He's not going to come down here to give you a cosmic hug and tell you everything's going to be okay. Alright? Jesus is the judge. Number two, the angels will be judged. All the people who have ever lived will be judged. And what will we be judged on? Our words, our thoughts, our deeds, and our actions. Now, the hope that we have, the only hope that we have on that day, the day of the Lord, the only hope that we have, is that we have an advocate in Christ Jesus. And if you have truly trusted Him, if you know Him as Lord and Savior, if you have truly been born again, then on that day, He will stand in between you and His Father and speak on your behalf. And every sin that's brought up, everything that's ever brought up, is going to be under His blood. It's been paid for. Paid for, paid for, paid for. 
If you're in this room today and you don't know Him, repent and turn to Christ. Know Him as Savior before you know Him as Judge. He came the first time to seek and to save that which is lost. Know Him as Savior before we know Him as Judge. Make sense? sense. Alright, last statement. Judgment Day is not plural. The Day of the Lord is not plural. You won't find it in the Bible. The days of the Lord or the judgment days. It's one day. day. It's the final day. All right? One day. All right, let's close with a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank You for this um, uh, sober and and somber reminder that You are God and that You are holy and that You are righteous. And were it not for Your Son Jesus and His blood, none of us would have a single hope. Thank You, Jesus, for coming and saving us. And thank You, Holy Spirit, for making us aware of it. Uh, Lord, I stand before all of my brothers and sisters here in Christ and admit that I desperately need Your forgiveness and I desperately need Your strength in my own life uh, because I am so prone to wonder. So prone to wonder. And so help us. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on that day, that coming day. Help it to not only be a day of, of fear and sobriety, but help it to also be a day of hope that one day we'll be with you forever. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.